0: You are now tuned in to the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? Hello and welcome back to Believe in FSU Football Podcast. This is your host, Robbie Bagnardi. Post-National Signing Day. Obviously, the Travis Hunter thing. That sucked. That was not fun. I did not enjoy that. like, I woke up and started seeing the rumors, and I was like, there's no way. (laughs) Like, I was just, like, in complete disbelief. And so, go on Instagram, and it's, like, noon. And I see on his story... Travis Hunter, he's got uh, his announcement set for 1205, so I'm watching the IG live. And as soon as I saw him in a black jacket, I knew that that's an. at that point I knew he was flipping because the fact that he was wearing nothing FSU and he took all the FSU stuff off his Instagram, it's just BS, man. I mean, that's, you know, Dion goes to Barstool, who he also works for in addition to being a head coach and cooks up an IL deal with you know, Barstool's primary sponsor, Penn Gambling, and that's who Travis understands to deal with. It's just, it's suspect, bro. I mean, I get it. Like, I understand it. It just, that really came out of nowhere, you know? We had a game changer locked in until the last second. You throw $100, hundred, hundred, one point five million 1500000 million at a kid and tell him, hey, you come to school here, you get this, and... You can, you know, flaunt the HBCU message in lieu of, of answering the actual question about the money. I get it. I understand it. I don't like it, but I understand it. Um think conditional NIL deals are definitely a slippery slope. You know. You come here and you get this, but only if you, you only get this deal if you go there. So that's that's interesting to see. Um how schools may leverage that until the NCAA outlaws it, because I imagine that that's coming sooner or later. You know, NCAA can't let too many uh, positive things happen for their student-athletes. Obviously, you know, they don't want them to make money or, or do things that are in their best interest. So NCAA will surely put a stop to the conditional NIL deals to some degree. I imagine people find a to, find a way to work around them. I think it's interesting that we're kind of seeing one of the underbelly, like the underbelly of college football, surface because everything is above board now. So that's a interesting development to see how that goes. Other than the Travis Hunter thing, um, I think the other big news is losing Coach Dillingham to Oregon. That one's not great. The, doesn't really help us in recruiting. Um, coach Atkins, you know he did a good job closing with uh, Julian Armella. Uh, Atkins now the new offensive coordinator. So, um, I don't know how good of a play caller Atkins is. I believe he was the offensive coordinator of Charlotte before we hired him as the offensive line coach here. I think he has play calling experience. To be honest, I have not taken the time to look it up. Um, let's see how we do. I, I mean, there's plenty of time before the season starts to speculate about what he might do and how he might orient his offense. Um but we did a good job on national signing day outside of the Travis Hunter thing. Uh we got the guys that were committed to us. We also picked up Julian Armella and uh Dante Anderson, you know, those were nice additions. A lot of depth and talent added on the offensive line. Obviously the Armella addition was huge getting a legit tackle prospect. In this class, with good length, um, Sam McCall still signed. You'd Like to see that, you know, he's a dynamic playmaker. Mortimer, Devon Mortimer flipped that—that that hurt. You know, we got to be able to close on guys that we have committed already at a position of need for us. You know, there's no reason that he couldn't have come in and, and made an impact right away. He's a really good player. Has some of the best ball skills in South Florida. He's really electric with the ball in his hands after the catch. It really sucks to not only lose him. But to lose him to a school that we're gonna play every year, we're probably gonna to have to see him three to four times, realistically, you know. So that sucks. And our receiver room is already short on depth, and we don't have a ton of receiver targets. I don't really understand why. To be completely honest, the state of Florida is dripping with skill position talent. You can add Georgia, Alabama, Louisiana to that too, and that's all you know relatively within FSU's radius, so we got to do a better job of getting skill players, you know. I don't think we should be missing on running. And when I say missing, I mean, like, not even having them in our class. I don't think we should be, you know, missing out on running backs and receivers. It's one thing to not get top guys because they go to schools that, you know, have nicer facilities and more recent success and more stability than we do. Like, that's one thing to lose out on guys that seem like they might be going to a quote unquote better option than FSU given the way things are currently structured at those schools that's different losing like not signing anybody because we don't think guys are good enough slash we're not getting the guys we want is kind of dumb because you know there's plenty of good players out there and you know the oh well he's not maybe he's not good enough to play at a power five and it's Stuff like that are always not a Florida State caliber. Who cares? There's other schools with better receivers than us all the time. There's FCS schools and group of five schools that are putting receivers in the league and we're not. So something's got to give. But that's just, I don't know. Running back is the same way. Um, offensive line is, is different. There's been some attrition in that position and misidentified things, but just there's so many talented, skill players at positions like running back and receiver, there's really not any excuse for Florida State of all places to not have at least capable guys in those spots. Granted, we've had good running backs, but just, you know, both of them, because we didn't sign any running backs this year, we only have Rodney Hill committed this year. So, no, we didn't sign any running backs last year, and we only have Rodney Hill committed this year. So just lack of skill guys is concerning. Um, linebacker's another spot. We don't have much you know, depth in the signing class. I imagine we'll be very active in the transfer portal. I know we've signed 16 players already. Really not sure who else we're in on, like Javante Barnes, Kevin Coleman, but I don't really know who else outside of those guys. Uh, I don't think we're getting Coleman. I don't think we're getting Barnes. I thought we were going to get Nigel e. Kelly. I really did, but uh, once Mortimer wasn't going to come here, we knew we weren't getting Nigel e. And I think the only reason Nigel even goes to to Miami is it was just the perfect mix of things with Cristobal going down there and taking that job because he was really high on Oregon. And he liked Miami, Manny Diaz is there, so I think that just, you know, happened to be the perfect marriage at the right time for him. I know when he first decommitted, the general feeling was that he was going to come back. And then, you know, you could see that that faded over time. Uh, we missed on Marvin Jones Jr. too. He goes to Georgia. Uh, they uh, they made a run late in his recruitment. Uh, they weren't as involved as everybody else, but you know, they end up making that happen. I guess that's really just where he wanted to go. But it sucks to miss out on, on those guys, you know. We just – I mean, going to Missouri to get a skill kid is interesting. Not that Kevin Coleman's not a really good player because he is. He's he's a stud, you know. He's a game changer uh, with the ball in his hands and and the things that he can do on the field. But there's plenty of, like I said, capable players, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Louisiana. We can stay in region and find guys that are more than good enough and take less – attribution of resources in order to properly recruit them but that's just my opinion I'm just a dude with a podcast who knows a couple things about recruiting here and there but there's a lot of talented players out there Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we still sign a few more high school guys maybe circle back on some things and then Take some guys who haven't committed yet or maybe get involved in recruitments or guys we've been you know, keeping in our back pocket as backup options. Make sure we sign proper death numbers for classes. But you don't want to just take guys to take guys, especially with the transfer portal being as well-stocked as it is. And like I said, I expect us to be very active in there. Um, I, th- I think we can fill a lot of positions of need. We definitely need to take multiple receivers. I've already taken two transfer offensive linemen. I think they're both interior guys. Um, Caden Lyles is definitely an interior guy. He's only ever played on the interior. Uh, Bless Harris played tackle, but I think he projects as an interior guy, but he may play tackle here, which is fine if he's good enough. But uh, missing out on Miles Frazier from FIU hurt. I, I thought we had a really good chance to get him. But, you know, things. Things go how they go. I imagine we'll be in the market for another tackle transfer at some point or another. Um, we could probably use a running back. We could definitely use a couple of receivers. I don't think we need a running back, but I don't think it would hurt to take one either. But with Rodney Hill coming in, and then we still have Tofili, Ward, and Williams, I think we'll be all right as far as running backs go. Wouldn't be surprised if we take a transfer quarterback. Casey Thompson from Texas hit the portal recently. I think... Jordan Travis is a very capable playmaker who can get us wins when he starts at quarterback, but I don't think that that should bar us from adding competitive talent. I think Casey Thompson would be a good add, just a name that's gone in there recently. Ricky Towns, another guy that I really like, but Casey Thompson's more of a dual threat. I think he kind of is what FSU fans want Jordan Travis to be. Not to take away from 13. I think he's a really good player and there's a lot of things he really does well. He has like, you know, a certain grit to him, a little bit of moxie. He's a fighter. He's shown that he can keep the team in games. He got better throwing the ball as the season progressed. He does a lot of really elite things with the ball in his hand as far as being a runner. So you like to see all that stuff, but adding competition that could come in and play tomorrow would be really big. We haven't seen much from Tate Roadmaker. I like Duffy and what he does on film, but he's still a true freshman. I don't like the idea of playing true freshman just because I don't think it's necessary. Some guys are, you know, ahead of the curve and they do a good job. And if he ends up being one of those guys, that's, you know, super. That's great. Would love love to see that if he can really do that at a capable, competent level. But you don't want to rush him if you don't have to. Um. On defense, we definitely need pass rushers. I mean, Kier Thomas is going to draft. Jermaine Johnson is going to the draft. Marcus Cushney hit the portal. So we definitely need some pass rushers. I think Derek McClendon takes a step up. Obviously, we got the two freshmen we signed last year. Pat, Pace, Pat Payton, George Wilson, uh, Byron Turner should be healthy next year. He was a signee last year. And then we got a couple guys in this class. Well, you know, we'll see how things go. We got a couple interior guys, Bishop Thomas and Daniel Lyons in this class as well. And it looks like we're returning Lovett and Cooper. So we should have good depth on the interior. Uh, Dennis Briggs should be back next year at some point. I believe he's dealing with an ACL. But we have options on the interior, but I think we definitely need to add some pass rushers in the portal. I know Jared Verse from Albany is a very popular name. There's been so many guys in the portal. It's been hard to keep up with who some of the bigger names are, but I'm definitely going to crack down on looking at at viable pass rush options for FSU. Um, There's a lot of receivers in the portal as well. We should definitely take two or three guys. I think we should focus on guys who have been productive regardless of level. Don't think that that matters a ton. Receivers, one of those spots that if you can run good routes and catch the ball, then you're going to be successful and effective. You know, guys can have all the all the speed and all the length in the world, but if they don't know what they're doing on that field, you know, and they can't create separation, they're not much good to you as a receiver. You need to be able to create separation and catch football. That's that's what being an effective receiver is all about. At the end of the day. Can you get away from the guy guarding you? And can you catch the ball when it's thrown to you? If you do those two things, you're probably going to be a good receiver. Obviously, there's a lot of nuances that, that come with that. I'm not dismissing the benefits of athleticism or outrunning, understanding the game. But there's a lot of things that go under the umbrella idea of creating separation, which I include You know, identifying the things that defense is doing and running good routes as a part of. But being an effective route runner, making good, you know, hard, clean cuts and head fakes that lose defensive backs is a really valuable skill. And you can do those things even if you're not a great athlete. You don't have to be a great athlete to, you know, train yourself to consistently catch the football and be secure with it and to run good routes. There's, you know, other things. And I think taking guys from other places that have been productive and understand how to win battles on the outside or inside you know how to win battles with defensive backs and catch the ball and make forward progress and can do so on a consistent basis is definitely something that we need because we struggle to do that generally um i think pokey wilson and malik mcclain are good players and having them back next year should help Looking for Malik McLean to really take a step forward, that's the guy. You know, I I, I say athleticism is not required to go to the position, but it definitely doesn't hurt. You know, you see a guy like Malik McLean with his length and his athleticism, his speed, you definitely know that he has much more potential to be a great receiver as opposed to being a passable receiver, but he's got to, you know, fine-tune those skills in his game. You'd like to see our receivers develop a little bit more. We'd also like to see us, you know, sign some receivers. So those are um, some thoughts about the receiver room, which has been lackluster in the past couple of years, and uh, see uh, how that goes and how that room is continued to be approached. But I, I think we sign at least two transfer receivers, one of whom probably has experience returning punts and/or kicks. We had like one of the worst punt return units in college football last year. I don't even need to look it up. I watch it every game and it was really bad. We got to get better at returning kicks. I don't know if it's like a special teams thing or just not blocking for people and not doing stuff right on that end, or if it's just that we don't have guys that can catch the ball and make things happen. There were a lot of curious decisions this past season as far as where guys caught punts, how they caught them, the ones that they let go. And, you know, that's a decision-making thing for your punt returners on the field, but it was just a consistent theme of head-scratching special teams play, especially on the punt units. But we'll see how that goes. But we got to be better on special teams. We need somebody who's proven to be effective in the return game. That would be a huge immediate boost for us. You know, Norvell's still in the process of turning the roster over. We're slowly getting better. Um, Signing big transfer portal classes is a good way to like immediately make the team better. I think that we got to be looking for seven to eight wins in the regular season next year. We got to be above five hundred. You know, things need to start coming to fruition now. I know Norvell's only had two signing classes, and one of them was kind of not authentic just because of COVID and the way that everything went with that, but. We gotta start seeing wins at some point going into year three. Just kinda like year two, just because year one was was such a mess. But we gotta see some improvement on some level. I'd like to see us win at least seven games. You know, we definitely need to make a bowl game. That's you know, we can't have another five and seven season. We can't you know, we can't have five wins, three wins, five wins, and then another five wins. We can't it can't happen. This program is too good for that. It has too many resources. It's historically too good for those things. We gotta just start climbing back to where we belong in college football. And it's a slow process. It's an arduous one. The transfer portal might be able to speed it up, but I think it only speeds it up so much because I think the transfer portal portal also levels out the playing field in college football. So you gotta deal with that aspect of it as well. But 5-7 to seven wins. I feel confident about this signing class. I know we felt good about it for a while. Uh, even going back to last year, I think we kind of knew that the 2022 class can going to be better than the 21 class. I think the 23 class will be really good as well. We've already got a, a few good players committed there. I, the staff recruits well. There's a couple positions that I mentioned, like linebacker and receiver, that have been kinda underwhelming. We're still a top fifteen class in in the nation. We might sign a few more guys. I don't think we're gonna get any crazy big names. I wouldn't be surprised if we couldn't sign, you know, a couple more high school players. There's, you know, probably guys that are on the staff's radar that I wouldn't begin to know about. You've always got solid players that you keep in your back pocket. And I'm sure there's a few guys out there that are good enough to play for us that didn't sign in the in the early signing period. And then, like I said, transfers. It'll be interesting to see where we go from here, how we shape this roster the rest of the offseason. I think we'll probably take a corner, considering that one of the corners that we thought we, was gonna, we, thought we were going to get flipped to Jackson State. We did sign Arizona Thomas, and that was a big get. He's a solid player. McCall, Thomas, and Hunter would have been an unreal backfield to sign one one cycle, but you know, the Platinum Squad, quote unquote, lost its platinum member midway through signing day. Still, I, I honestly, it's kind of funny. Like it's ironic at my own expense as far as being an FSU fan and following recruiting, but. It, it's pretty funny that the dude coined the term Platinum Squad and you know promoted FSU the, the whole way through his signing period and told everybody he wasn't going anywhere and he was coming to FSU. Pulled a switcheroo on the last day, the biggest moment. He definitely – he lamed Kiffin us is what he did. You know, Lane Kiffin said he wasn't going to LSU and he goes to USC. Travis Hunter said he wasn't going to Georgia and then he went to Jackson State. But I don't know. It just – the way he kind of threw the hat off the threw the FSU hat off the stage was interesting. I'm sure he got wrapped up in the moment. You know, it is what it is. He's not coming to school here anyways. I'm not going to split hairs over a kid throwing a hat off a stage. Just, you know, thought it was funny given uh, given how his recruitment went and, and how committed he said he was and the way everything uh, shook out. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up transferring anyways. I mean, just it doesn't really make a lot of sense outside of the NIL deal. I mean, obviously the line he's using is, you know, I'm changing the culture. I'm going to an HBCU, you know, promoting those schools. But if that's what you were going to do, why would you not do that the whole time? Why would he have not made a bigger deal about his official visit to Jackson State? Because that was the only other officially took that besides FSU is Jackson State. And I think it was funny at the time FSU fans kind of just wrote it off as like, oh, you know, he's going to see Prime because he's an FSU legend. And then I came back to bite us in the butt. Something fierce, didn't it? But, you know, things go how they go. You can't, you can't control how six, 16, 17, 18 year old kids make decisions, they're going to be unpredictable. But it's it's all right. We'll survive as a program. Not getting Travis Hunter sucks after the way that it was all hyped up. You know, him acting like this was a place he was, was going to be. And I think for a while, that was the intent. And then things changed really late. But you just hate how that goes. You know, fans had their hopes up because we had, had potential generational talent coming in here. But not everything's meant to be. It is what it is. It just it stings cause he was committed for so long and it's Deion Sanders, an FSU legend of all people. But at the end of the day, Deion Sanders is prime time and he goes, you know, he marches the beat of Deion Sanders drum, and there is nobody bigger than to Deion Sanders than Deion Sanders. That's just who he is as a person. So he's always been, you know, you can see it clear as day. That's just Dion's about Dion. There's nothing bigger than Dion. And him doing this was, you know, a self promotion of sorts. You know, look at me. I can sign the top recruit in the country. You know, this kid idolizes me so I can cook up a deal that gets him to come play here and then act like that's not what it is. But it's all right. It's just, you know, venting a little bit frustrations of an FSU fan watching those things go down. It's definitely frustrating and and gave me this podcast to talk about stuff, so I might as well voice my opinion on it a little bit while I'm out here. But at the end of the day, there's nothing you can do but move on. You know, wishful thinking, maybe hits a transfer portal, ends up here for a couple years Anyways, We'll see how that goes. Uh, I I don't think that that's overly far-fetched. I don't know that he really wants to play three years playing... In Jackson, Mississippi. And the SWAC. Or maybe it's the MIAC. I'm really not sure which conference Jackson State's in. I know they did lose to South Carolina State. That's funny. Um, FAMU is obviously a superior HBCU because it's in Tallahassee. It's really all you need to know about that. You know. FAMU is a preeminent HBCU institution. And I like to see them do well alongside FSU. Just, you know, love for the city of Tallahassee. But. I don't know. I think if it was really about those things that it would have been approached differently, but that's just my personal opinion. And obviously the signing day flip after being committed for so long made huge headlines, but I think Travis Hunter decommitting and recommitting to Jackson State would have made huge headlines regardless of when it happened. But, you know... They got to, you know, Prime got to tease it on his little podcast, and they got to stop the show, and he got Portnoy to tweet about it, and there was all these other things. It was just, you know, an obnoxious display of wealth and influence. But it's college football. It's College football is a crazy, wacky place, and that's what makes it so fun and so exciting, And and sometimes those things come at your expense that's okay. You've got to learn to laugh at it. FSU is going to be fine. Travis Hunter is not a bad kid for doing what he did. I, You know, I understand the decision. If I was coming out of high school and somebody said, hey, you come play football here and you get $1.5 million, that's hard to say no to. I understand it. I'm not mad at the kid, but just being an FSU fan and, and being a fan of his and the way that he plays, it sucks not to see him in garnet and gold. That's really all there is to it at the end of the day. You know, and it sucks to kind of see Dion screw over his team or his school at the end of the day, too. I think that hurts FSU fans a little bit, you know, because in their head, they can't fathom that they would do something like that to FSU. So to see Dion do it when he's a legend to them, that hurts, you know, and people dismiss that a little bit, but you got to understand, like, these people probably you know, grew up watching Dion Sanders and he was one of those first FSU legends. So yeah, they're hurt by that. I, I think it's pretty ironic that it was Dion of all people. And I'm not opposed to unretiring his number just because I think that it would be funny. And I think that those are the types of things that would get under Dion's skin. And obviously he's under the skin of a lot of FSU fans and I'm sure coaches. So maybe just, you know, poking and prodding at him and, lessening his importance to the program might make him mad and that might be funny because he made a lot of fsu fans mad but that's just you know my take on it Dion's one of those very self-absorbed athletes a diva if you will so that's how those things go it's he's different than other coaches just because he's been such a prominent public figure for a long time and he has that you know, that personality and that swag, and it's fun when you're on Dion's side. And then when he, you know, breaks one off on you, it's, it's not so fun. You know, he intercepted one and took one to the house on his former school. So it's, it's not all fun and games I'm watching primetime do that now. But like I said, it is what it is. FSU will be all right. We signed a good class. I'll be back in a little bit more detail about the guys that we signed. Um, do a film review and really break down their strengths and where I think that they can help this team. Not sure where else we're going to go in this signing period as far as high school kids. I'll uh, see if I can dig up some more information, but I hadn't seen a ton when I was looking recently as far as uh, potential other targets to fill out the class. But I imagine that we're going to take a lot of transfer portal guys, and I think that that's something that we'll just update day by day. There's always new guys entering and exiting the portal, um, and there's a lot of talented players that people don't know about that probably come from lower levels. So the transfer portal is an ever-changing element of college football, as is recruiting in general. But post-national signing day, post-offensive coordinator change, Not the greatest week for FSU, but we still sound a good class, and I think we have a bright future. So it is what it is, and we will proceed. As always, go Knowles.